0: But we've been talking over the last few weeks about being happy. What does it mean to be happy? And we've been going through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, and we've really began to pull those apart and really dissect what those mean for us, And, and what it is, what are the attributes that Jesus is really talking about here, and why is it important that we apply those things into our lives, and how exactly do they make us happy? What is it about those things that make us happy? At first, before we dive into it, we're going to review again like we have every week what Jesus is saying when he says, blessed be. And it's simply this, be happy. It's a state of happiness that goes beyond just putting a smile on your face, but is a way that you live your life. Where those things that you encounter that typically would knock you off your feet and would shake your foundation It would change the way that you live life. Now you encounter those things, and they don't really harm you because you're happy. I mean, you're really happy. You're divinely happy. You're eternally happy. Now, for most of us, that takes a long time to get there, right? It's a life process. But Jesus says, really, it can be a lot easier... If you just follow these few things. So he got up on a mountain. He pulled his disciples real close to him. He sat down with his disciples. And he began to teach them the be happy. And he started with this. Happy are you who are poor in spirit. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you who mourn. For you shall be comforted. Happy are you who are gentle. For you will inherit the earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Those are the first few that we have talked about As we've begun this series. Today, we're going to start in verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Happy are you who are merciful, for you shall receive mercy. Now, there's a story of a man who was driving down the highway. He'd been on a business trip for weeks. He had been alone, and quite frankly, he'd been a little sad. Sad. And so as he's driving down this road, he sees a sign on the side of the road that says, Sisters of Mercy, House of Prostitution, ten miles. And so he looks at that and there's this obvious confusion, right? And so he, he starts to think about it, and, and but as he travels down the road, he starts to think, you know, I'm 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 a pretty sad I'm I'm in a pretty sad state right now. So maybe Maybe, just maybe, I can get a little joy here. And so he he keeps going down the road, and a few miles later, he sees another sign, Sisters of Mercy, House of Prostitution, five miles on the right. And so his mind starts to play even more tricks on him. He gets further down the road, Sisters of Mercy, House of Prostitution, one mile, next exit. So he gets to the exit, he turns off the exit, and his mind is playing all these games with him, and... He turns right off the exit and then he sees another sign, Sisters of Mercy, House of Prostitution to the left. And he looks and it's this long dirt road. And so he takes this long dirt road. He walks up to this beautiful house and he sums up the courage to knock on the door. And they answer the door. And it's this 80-year-old beautiful little nun standing at the door. And she says, yes, son, how can I help you? And he looks at her, and he starts to second-guess himself, and he says, "Um, I've I've just come here today to, to do business. And she says, oh, okay, come on in. So he comes in, the nun locks the door, and buckles about five locks behind her on that door. So he's a little nervous. She says, all you have to do is take this hallway down, third door on the left, knock and do whatever the woman tells you to do. So he goes down the hallway. Third door on the left. He knocks on the door. Opens the door. Is now about a 75 year old little nun. And, and he says to her. <coughs> Excuse me ma'am. I I, uh, I must have the wrong room. And she says. No, no. Son, what are you here for? And he says. Well, I, I've, uh, I've been lonely. Been away for a few weeks. Um, just, just wanted to do some business here today She says, okay Place $50 in this tin cup Walk to the end of the room And go through that door So it digs in his pocket He puts $50 in the tin cup And he walks through the room And he goes to the door The door slams behind him and locks And he notices he's standing in the parking lot He starts to get angry turns around and he sees a sign that says You've just been screwed by the Sisters of Mercy now two things should be going through your mind right now one how have we not fired him yet and two what does that have to do with anything It's nothing it was just an awesome joke and i had to tell you blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy what does it mean to be merciful what does it look like to be merciful Because the truth is, is really there's two different ways to look at this. And and for a lot of us, we go through life. And when you show mercy, really, for those that are around you, it's a sign of weakness. Right? If you don't step on the throat when you get the chance, if you don't close that deal when you get the chance, if you don't move into this level of success, that may take you crossing a personal barrier or doing something That is completely unethical, but you'll get away with it. In order for you to succeed, then you're on the road to the powerful. Then you're on the road to the just. Then you're on the road to the successful. So for a lot of us to be merciful really is a weakness. It's defined by words like this. Weak, fruity, simple, cowardly. And I even found one that said... Merciful people are just hippies. I don't even know what that means. But truthfully, what a merciful person has to do is not only bear their own conflictions, but they have to bear the conflictions of others. And in order to do that, you have to be in a place spiritually where you're not only able to give mercy, but you're able to receive mercy. Because truthfully, you will never understand what it means to give mercy unless you've received mercy, right? If you've never been in a position where someone above you had to be merciful to you, then you can never really understand what it means to be merciful. When Jesus says here, blessed are you who are merciful, for you will receive mercy, what he's saying here is really a a pretty simple life application, and it's this. If you can understand what it means to give mercy, if you can understand what it means to be less and allow someone else to be more, if you can understand what it means to forgive, if you can understand what it means to be patient, if you can understand what it means to allow someone to receive the glory that maybe you should have received, if you understand what it means to be merciful, then you will receive the mercy that you desire. And where does that mercy come from? What's Jesus talking about? It's simply this. When you come before the Father and ask for mercy, you better know what it means to be merciful. Right? When you come before the Father and ask for mercy, know what it means to be merciful, because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If you don't, he's going to provide you all kinds of opportunities. He's going to give you all kinds of circumstances in your life That allow you the opportunity to be merciful. Colossians chapter 3 says this. So, chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. What's that wardrobe look like? Compassion. Kindness. Honey, that slide's up there if you want to put it up. Humility. Humility. Quiet, I I wasn't, are you flipping me off from the back? No. Put on the wardrobe that God picked out for you. What's it look like? Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength and discipline. Be even tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It is your basic all-purpose garment, never be without it. What is mercy? Jesus says, pretty simple, mercy is love. Mercy is love. Paul says it in First Timothy chapter 1, the whole point of what we're urging is simply love. The whole point of what we're urging is simply love. To give mercy means this, you will allow someone who owes you to take from you what you really want back. Now that may be forgiveness, that may be something you've lent them, that may be money, that may be love, that may be affection, that may be pain. That may be bondage that they put on you years ago. But to be merciful means you allow them to have something that you really want that control of back. If you can understand that, then you can understand what it means to receive mercy from God. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. You are asking God to forgive you of things that you really don't want to let go of all that much. You're asking God to forgive you of sins that truthfully, for the most of us, when we pray for that mercy... We've already engaged in some way in the sin to be done again. So to understand what it means for a God who created you to be something other than what you are. To, be, to live in the internal promise of what he's created you to do. To go to that God and to say to that God, Father, forgive me. And to know that that God will be merciful on you and forgive you. To understand what it is to receive mercy gives me the promise that I can be merciful. You follow me? The next one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How many of you, um, how many of you like the comic, the Peanuts? Anybody like Peanuts? Charlie Brown? Snoopy? Pigpen? Do you guys remember Pigpen? This is Pigpen? Pigpen? Do you remember what happens with Pigpen when he walks around he gets that cloud that's around him everywhere he goes, right? And the people he walks by and Lucy's always like, (coughs) right? To be pure at heart means this. You're going to walk around in the presence of who you are. And the people who are around you are going to get doused, right? Like Pigpen with the dust. They're going to feel your presence automatically. And if you're not pure in heart, they're going to know it and see it and feel it. And for a lot of us, what it is, is it's selfishness. We carry selfishness with us every go. We carry a desire for my relationship with you to bless me really more than I care whether or not I bless you. I want your paycheck to bless me really more than I care what it does for you. I want everything in my life to be beneficial for me right so the food that I buy I'm gonna put my name on and stick in the fridge right the paycheck that I get I, I'm not gonna give any to anybody but to me right because it's mine I worked for that you feel me that, that that's my thing so when I go places that are nice right I, I'm not gonna take anybody with me when I see people in need I'm not gonna help them <clears throat> those are the type of things we all look at and we're like, oh man, I, you know, we don't want to be like that. But the truth is, is, we're all like that. We all carry with us this selfish desire that all of this world is meant to be specifically for me. And when Jesus says to be pure in heart, the first thing that you have to do is recognize what are those things in your life that have contaminated you. Because the opposite of Greek, the opposite of the word pure Is contaminated. So what Jesus is saying is, quit being contaminated, start being pure. Quit being contaminated and start living pure. What does it mean to quit being contaminated? Really, there's a couple ways that you can look at it. The first is this, to live a sin-free life, right? How possible is that? Raise your hand this morning if you are free of any sin in your life. Sam? No? (laughs) Sammy, of course you are, honey. It must be. Your dad says no. Let me tell you something. God's desire for you is to be pure in heart. Because of the result of the promise of you being pure in heart. And you know what that is? What's Jesus say at the end here? you will what? See God. Will you see God eternally one day? Absolutely. Absolutely. But see, even that for you can be a little bit selfish because we begin to think of ourselves, if we follow all these rules right that I've learned since I was a kid, I follow all those rules right, then one day I will get a crown of gold, walk streets of gold, get a big mansion, right, and all these things in in heaven. And so really, even my eternal reward is still all about me. You follow me? Even in your Christianity, even as a disciple of Christ, you're still selfish. We all are. It's okay, but not really. Here's what Jesus is saying to you. If you can get pure in heart, you will see God. And he doesn't just mean eternally, What that see means in Greek actually is to experience or to recognize. Which means in your everyday life, you will see God. You will see God in your creation. You will stop living by an image of what the world wants you to be. Let me tell you something, students. I had a best friend in our early 20s who committed suicide. you know why? I'm just going to be straight up with you. It's because his church gilded him into it. I'm just being honest. He was a Christian. He was in a relationship. That relationship fell apart. She left him. She took the baby and they gilded him. I'm telling you, he used to tell me stories about what people in his church would tell him. Unbelievable things. Now, please understand. That was his personal choice. But I do know this. This. If I am pure in heart, then even in someone's weakness, I see God. Even in someone's downfall, I see God. Even when someone is in pain, I see God. When I am in pain, I see God. When I am frustrated, I see God. And here's where it gets even greater. And those things that I used to call luck, guess what I now see them as? Blessings from God. And those desires that I used to call lust, guess what I now call? A defense. You know why? Because God in my life protects me from those things now because I've given them to him. Right? We all live in certain situations and are tempted by all kinds of different sins and this is the promise I'm going to tell you right now. Jesus says if you're pure in heart you will see God. So now when that temptation comes, do you know what I see? I don't see the lust. I see God. I see God. And let me tell you why we fear that. I don't want to see God in that. I would rather see the lust. You follow me? I don't want God's face popping up there. I just want to be in the lust. But truthfully, what God is saying is, when you are pure in heart, when you're trying to serve me, when you become a disciple, when you understand what cloth you're putting on your body, you understand what I'm trying to create in you and the life I'm trying to give to you, then you'll see me. First Timothy 5, the whole point of what we're urging is simply love, love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith, but a life open to God. Those who fail to keep this point soon wander off in cul-de-sacs of gossip. They set themselves up as experts on religious issues, but haven't the remotest idea of what they're holding forth with such imposing eloquence. What is he saying? What he's saying is this, love. I can sit up here and preach to you in the most eloquent way all these rules that you need to follow. But the truth is, what I want you to do is love. I can tell you, don't do this and don't do this and don't do that. And if you do, you're going to go to hell. And if you, you know, if you can get away from those things and, and live a good and, and, and sinless life, then you're going to go to heaven. And if you can follow all these rules, then everything will be good in your life. But the truth is, what Jesus is trying to get across is love. Look at all these Beatitudes we've been through so far. So far. Poor in spirit, mourning, gentle, hunger, merciful, pure in heart. What's he saying? Love. Love. Love and you will understand what God has desired for you in your heart. Love and you will understand what you were created to do. Love and you will see me. Give of yourself and you will understand what it means to be a servant. Jesus is telling his disciples, if you would just love. You will get why I'm here. Will you stay with me? Church family, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I feel like doo-doo, right? And I have felt like doo-doo for a few days now. I wasn't here this morning when you all came in. You know why? Why? I was hiding from you in my doo-doo. Literally, I was in the bathroom. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. That's not true, Kim. I was just teasing. This is what I want you to know. As I was preparing this week, there was this desire in me to call Karen or Dave or somebody else and say listen you you really need to just take this week I just want to sit at home and play my playstation All right but the more that I got into these scriptures the more that I understood that this is something I really want to talk about this morning and what I love about it is that it's so simple and so easy and it's this you are not allowed to judge me right? I get to walk in what God has created me to be. I get to be who God has created me to be. I get to have the voice God has given me. I get to live in the life that God has given me. I get to look like the dork that God has made me. I get to do all of that. And what you think of me, I could care less. I honestly could care less. Now I want you to love me, right? But that's in my human selfishness. I want to be up here and be a clown. I want you to laugh at my jokes. I want you to love me and I want you to reach out. And, and when I'm sick, you know, I go to my wife, last night I put my hand in her lap and I was just like, oh honey, stroke my head, do something, take care of me. But the truth is this, it's in scriptures like this when I can recognize and realize and see where is my real value. What is my real value? And to understand that you can't have my value. You can't hold my value. I can't consider what you think of me as any value. Because the only value I desire, the only thing I push forward to, the reason I am the way I am is because I want my God to approve of me. And if you look at me and you say, dude, that, that guy's doing it all wrong. Like there's a lot of people out there who do. Let me tell you what I tell them. I don't answer to you. Here's what I want you to know. You do not answer to those who are around you. You do not answer to your critics. You do not answer to the bondage that's been holding you in your life for maybe weeks, maybe years. You do not answer to the pain that is in your life. You do not answer to the successes in your life. You do not answer to those who have been unjust to you, or who have persecuted you, or who have condemned you, or who have judged you. You don't answer to them. So this morning what I'm going to ask you to do is to begin to have a pure heart. And the way we do that is we have to get free from all of those things that we allow to shape who we are. And we have to understand that we are created by a God who knew exactly what He was doing when He placed you on this earth. And I know that there are those of us who go through things. I'm going to tell you some, church. I've been through things. You don't even know. But the reason I stand today is because I figured out one day, Jesus told me one day a long time ago, that you were created to glorify me. Nobody else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Not the pain you suffered, not the abuse that you've been through, not the judgments that fall upon you, not the sacrifices that I'm asking you to make, not the money that you put in your wallet. You are judged by me and me alone, and what I am looking for in you is a pure heart ready to love. That's it. That's it. A pure heart ready to love. So here's what I'm asking you to do this morning. Your life app for the week. Recognize when you put on your play face and you all know what I'm talking about recognize when you put on the fake you it could be at work it happens in your relationships it happens in your house with your kids I do it all the time recognize when you put on your playface and get real get real get real with God give to him those things that have become burdens and those things that have locked you down Because I'm going to tell you something, church. For the last few weeks, I really feel like God has been laying this on my heart. That there are people in this room that are locked down from their past. There are people in this room that can't break free from the sin that has been in their life. They can't break free from it. And they've prayed, they've said, God, take this from me, but I still live in it. Do you understand me? I still live in the regret. I still live in the pain. I still live in the past. I still live in the abuse. I still live in the bad relationship. I still live in the things that have invaded and become a part of my life. And those things are not of God. And those things are not of me. And today, this morning, I will release those in Jesus' name. And I will say to my past and to my pain and to my sin that you own me no more. Today I am God's and God's alone. I will worship God. I will bow to God. I will be merciful. I will be self-giving, I will sacrifice, I will love, and God, I will put myself out there to understand and to investigate what you have created me to be. But I will no longer allow my past to create who I am today. Today, I stand in the glory of God. You follow me? Let's pray. Father God. For those of us who stand in this room, Father, and hold pain, and hold regret, and hold confusion. God, for those of us in this room that hold desires of worldly means. Father, for the lusts that we carry, for the pain that we carry. Father, for those of us who have been abused and can't shake that off of our being. God we come before you right now and Father as a church I pray that you break us in Jesus name from anything that remains and allow us to be whole and complete in your presence desiring only what you call us to do and who you call us to be that Father I can finally be happy God, I pray this morning that, Father, as you begin to cleanse, that you receive the glory, that, God, you receive the honor, and that, Father, as I go into the week, that you provide me opportunities to love, and that I see them, and then I grab hold of them that I do in Jesus name we pray